0: Welcome to Bible study. This is Nikrita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you today and thank you for tuning in with us. Another great Bible study and we invite you to stay with us through this hour. And just before we go to the word of God, I would like to introduce to you our panel for today. Helen, welcome back.
1: Thank you, good to be here.
0: You had a bit of break, but it's it's Mm -hmm. good to be back. And um, I've got uh, Andrew and uh, Jeanette there. Thank you, guys, for coming again with us. It's
2: Good to be here.
3: Yeah. Hi, Nick.
0: And Len is uh, our facilitator um, for today again. Len, thank you very much for uh, putting together this uh, Bible study, and I will just hand it right to you.
4: Yeah, thanks, Nick. And hello, listeners. For 11 weeks now, we've been studying the New Testament book of Acts. We've seen how the Christian church grew rapidly in only a handful of years. Last week we learned about what happened to the missionary to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul, when he returned to Jerusalem. He was the center of a riot. He was accused of breaking Jewish law. He was beaten by the Jews, saved by the Roman commander, arrested and imprisoned for his own safety. A Jewish plot to ambush and murder Paul on the way to Caesarea to be heard by the governor Felix was thwarted by the Roman commander. It was obvious that God, who promised that Paul would witness for him in Rome, protected him despite the threats and actions against his life. And before we go on with this new section, I invite you to just bow your heads. We're going to have a short prayer. Thank you, Andrew.
2: Yeah, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just thank you for Paul and for his commitment to you and for the way that he lived his life and for the inspiration that he gives to us. And as we just, um, together, just uh, discuss a little more of his life as we open our Bibles, we pray for your understanding and your spirit to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Thank you, Andrew. Well, five days after Paul's arrival in Caesarea, his Jewish accusers arrived so that the provincial governor, Felix, could hear the case against Paul. Who did the Jews bring them? Sorry, bring with them, and why? Andrew, would you read Acts 24:1 and perhaps just explain? Sure, a bit?
2: it's interesting. It says five days after the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. And they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. It's interesting, Len, that this was only five days after. And when you consider that Caesarea is 96 kilometers away from Jerusalem, yes, these, these people didn't waste any time because they were, I'd say they were nearly obsessed with the idea of getting Paul out of the way. And they even take Ananias. And uh, when you consider Ananias, he was the high priest that was involved in, in Jesus' arrest and death some years before this guy would have been an old man and he makes that trip i mean obviously no cars in those days did he did he walk was he on a horse i don't know but they got there and they planned very carefully because they got this very um this very slick smooth operated named tertullus or tertius who was probably a hellenistic jew and boy he was an oily mouth presenter um, and he really laid it on thick um, because we'll we'll see what he said about Felix, and Felix was anything but a good a good a ruler. He was a terrible ruler, in fact. Right. Um, but Tertullus uh, came, and they brought four accusations against Paul. They said, number one, he was a troublemaker. Now remember, this is this is aimed toward Rome. The Romans had to hear all this. Number one, he was a troublemaker. Number two, he was stirring up riots. Number three, he was a ringleader of a Nazarene sect, which is another way of saying the Christians. And number four, he desecrated the temple. So one, two, three, four, they figured that if they did this, that would have the Romans against Paul and get the Romans to do what they wanted done. And that was to get him out of the way.
4: Okay. So when it was Paul's turn to speak and when he made his defense, what did Did Paul make regarding these charges Uh, Jeanette
3: let's see what the Bible says he says and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me but he said however I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way which is what the Christians were called then uh, which they call a sect and then he said, I, I do admit that I believe everything that agrees with the law and that's written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I always strive to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So he says, really, I'm, I haven't done anything that worth um, the accusations that are coming against me.
4: Yes, he announced that his conscience was clear. Yes, Helen.
3: I think it was interesting if you look at verse 11 and verse 17,
1: Paul actually gives his his reasons for coming to Jerusalem. He states that he came to worship and to bring alms and to bring offerings. He made it very clear why he
3: came.
4: Mm. Now, sometimes we're accused of wrongdoing. Should we be worried? Panel?
3: An old lady that I knew when I was very young, when some kids at school had accused me of something, I was about 14, and I was highly irate that I'd been accused of something that I wasn't fair and I hadn't done. And she just said, Dear, if people speak ill against you, <laughs> live so no one will believe it. That's good And advice. I thought that was wonderful and I wish I could see that old lady again and tell her how much that one sentence helped me during my life it's really
1: it really is more important not how people act towards us but how we react isn't it yeah and I think as we get older you know if you've got a clear conscience yes you may still feel that twinge of hurt but if you've got a clear conscience then why are we going to stew about what people say exactly
3: it's between you and God and that's what's really important
2: yeah while we may not stew sometimes it does hurt still it does hurt because yes, of course. Y- you feel crumbs i've been misunderstood here mm. and i don't know i think paul was probably beyond that len um because here he is on trial f- for that what the second time and he just stands up there and says it he says oh well well mm. as
3: verse 16 says I always strive to keep my conscience clear before God. Yes. He said, and man too. But for me, when I know that I've done the right thing, then I'm sort of free of worrying about what everybody else says.
1: I remember years ago in Papua New Guinea, we had a new principal came into our college and there was a a particular person on the campus who wanted to be very popular with the new principal and uh, sadly would run down people left, right and centre. And I came under that as well. And I was accused of something, which was not true. And a friend had come and told me what the accusation was. Now, I had a choice to make. I could go and front him, but then that would have got my friend into trouble. And then I, she said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm actually going to do nothing because... I didn't do it mm. it's it's irrelevant and one day it'll come to the fore well it did about six months later the principal came to me and he said I owe you an apology he didn't know that I knew and I said why are you apologizing he said because I was told this and I believed it but he said I see it was not true mm. Mm. and that and bears out what
2: the old lady told yes. old Jeanette I thought that was okay. really
1: really yeah. interesting yeah. it's a powerful weapon yep yes. conscience
0: and if we look, uh, you know, even in the in the Bible, when uh, Jesus himself advised mm. us, say, if people will say things against you, they are not true, blessed are you, mm. you know, mm. we call to be blessed if people accuse us of wrongdoing, if that's not true, mm. because we then have that opportunity to witness, as uh, Jeanette just mentioned, and yourself, and I think Paul, even though he was imprisoned, he was... Um, in front of the judges there, he was there also to witness for God. Was not just to defend himself. Yes, to have
4: a clear conscience is is great. You might be hurt by false accusations, but if you know you haven't done wrong, you can go ahead with your life without worrying too much.
3: Mm, your question, Len, was: When accused of wrongdoing, should we be worried? Well, if someone accuses of wrongdoing and we'd actually done wrong. It's, that's the first thing to think of, is to think carefully through your actions and what you've done and go, well, actually, did I do something wrong? And I've never heard of anybody dying from saying sorry.
4: Well, Helen, you've got something to say, a quote that you've found.
3: Yeah, it was um, further on to what Paul
1: had actually answered regarding the charges, that there were two further points that raised by Paul were devastating to the accuser's case. There was the absence of the Asian witnesses, and Acts 24, 18 and 19 brings that out, which had the potential of rendering the trial invalid. In other words, they had said this, this and this, but they weren't there um to validate it the fact also that the jews there could speak only about paul's hearing before the sanhedrin the week before and as such they had nothing to accuse him of except that he believed in the resurrection of the dead felix immediately understood the weight of paul's arguments also because he was somewhat acquainted with christianity probably through his jewish wife Drusilla, and the fact is that he decided to adjourn the proceedings until further notice Mm. boy
2: that would have made the Jews mad absolutely because they wanted to get this thing nailed
4: yes yes they
1: couldn't yeah
4: (laughs) absolutely just before we go on to the next section I think I'll mention it on air one time I had to make an emergency trip to Hong Kong and I was left on the Tuesday I was in Hong Kong on Thursday and I took the flight back on Thursday but I don't particularly like Chinese food some of it's okay so I took with me some cracker biscuits, some marmite, some peanut butter, and some dried apricots. I thought if I, I'm hungry and I can't eat the Chinese food, I'll have this. <laughs> so when I came back, I still had it with me. And I got in at Sydney Airport and standing in a long row to go through the customs. And uh, somebody came up to me and said, you've got some food with you. Yes, I said, I've declared it. I've got some cracker biscuits, some peanut butter, some marmite, and some dried apricots. And they said, okay, and walked off. The line progressed a bit further and blow me down. Somebody else came. said, you've got some food with you. Yes, I said, I took it from Australia because I don't like Chinese food very much. i got some peanut butter, some marmite, some cracker biscuits, and dried apricots. (laughs) All right. The line moves on and it's... uh, terribly slow there in Sydney and a third person came up to me and uh, they made this again they were reading my body language I'm sure of it now I never thought of it then to see if I was nervous or anything but I just answered yes I've got some cracker biscuits some dried apricots some peanut butter and some marmite and I said you know you're the third person to come and ask me the same question I kind of threw it back at them then uh We're getting close to where they check your luggage. I said, "Uh, just go through there. Just go through, Mr. Henning. You don't have to worry about that. (laughs) They could see that my conscience was clear. I was not trying to smuggle something in. Anyhow.
0: um, then just before you move on, because I thought I felt a little bit obliged to come with the verses where I um, I just mentioned, because to me here is something very uh, significant in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, where it says, Blessed are you when they persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm. What caught my attention was, they will persecute you for my sake. Mm. That's what these people are trying to accuse uh, Paul of being against God, the one mm-hmm. who met Jesus himself, yeah. mm-hmm. and he was trying to live his life in the best way possible after he encountered Jesus on the road to mm. Damascus.
4: Anyhow, the oh, Jews had cool. presented their accusations. Paul had given an answer, mm. and um, I'm pretty sure Governor Felix regarded him as not guilty, but instead of bringing a finality to it, he adjourned the case. Andrew, do you think he was a fair judge?
2: Well, I think he could see that there was absolutely no evidence to back up what um, the Jewish leaders had said. It's interesting also to note that uh, Luke records that um, Felix called Paul back and chatted with him, and Paul, they, they obviously talked about um his belief in Jesus as it says in scripture because Felix was well acquainted with the way um so Paul uh, uh, so Felix I think was was a little bit taken with Paul and what he was saying and he was intrigued and Luke records by the way it says uh He was so convicted, I think, that he says, look, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you again. So there's something going on here behind the the scenes. And I think also, as Luke records, that Felix was hoping for a little bit of a financial kickback here. So there was the spiritual part, but there was also the financial part. Maybe he thought that Paul had a little bit of money somewhere. I don't know. Um, So he kept him there for two years i think he believed he was innocent but i don't think he had the courage to free him because he didn't want to lose favor with the jewish leaders Mm. so he was trying to play it both ways which is always a a pretty dangerous thing to do
3: interesting to me that he sent for him frequently yeah that's right and talked with him in verse 26.
4: Helen would you like to read the reference um, that Andrew and Jeanette have just been talking about acts 24 24 to 26
1: Sure. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might lose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. I find that extremely interesting when I read through these few verses that here he was, Felix and Drusilla, and he procrastinated, as we've mentioned. He stilled his conscience by postponing a personal decision. He didn't reject the call of the Holy Spirit outright, but he was wavering in his decision. I feel there was something behind, as you said, as you said, Andrew, but he was determined to put off the painful business of setting his personal affairs in order, you know, because we know that he had taken another man's wife. And I find that Paul's words were interesting, too, that he when he started to focus on righteousness, self-control and judgment to come, that's when Felix, actually, I think it touched him at that particular point. And, you know, regarding being bribed, although he he didn't get a bribe and he never got peace of mind either, by the way, he was opportunist, wasn't he? He was Mm. an opportunist. Mm. And, you know, Paul really had little chance of having a fair hearing in front of him. But I thought about that and I thought, well, there is a lesson here for us. Many people actually will be glad to discuss the gospel with us, you know, as long as it doesn't touch lives personally. Yeah, yeah. as long as it doesn't touch lives personally. It's not that we're going up and we're pointing fingers, no, but we, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life. But when it does, some, they just want to either resist it or they want to run. But that's not what the gospel is about. It's about God's power to change lives. The gospel is not effective until it moves from the principalities, the doctrines, into a life-changing dynamic. And I believe that was the point where Felix turned his back. Yeah, He would not allow the changing of his personal status. Now,
4: what you were reading yes. before from the Bible, uh, Felix said, when there's a convenient time
3: Mm. is there a a convenient
4: time for truth i
3: I don't think truth is actually very convenient ever (laughs) doesn't the bible um, say now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation yes Yes. but if if we're waiting for for truth to feel comfortable that probably isn't going to happen Um, because when we're following Jesus, we're actually going against the tide. Jesus always said, "If you follow me, you'll be hated, and people mm. people won't like you." So it, there's never going to be. Plus and when you know what? Said, just, sorry, oh, sorry,
2: go. I was just going to say okay. just further to that. Um, when you read John, the Holy Spirit speaks to everyone at some time. Yes. Um, just giving him a little bit of an exposure to, to the truth of God and, and, and all about that. This was Felix's turn here. Mm. And he had every opportunity to take it further, um, but he didn't do it. Now, I don't know whether there are any other uh, opportunities for him after that, but we do know that after two years, he actually lost his job. Mm. His services were terminated. He went back to Rome and he just he just sinks into oblivion. So I think whenever you and I know something is true and we feel in our hearts that it is true, we must do something about it. Mm. Mm. I just
1: found it interesting that he used the word a convenient time or a convenient season. We do that, and sadly, you know, you might be stirred at the time, but then you you go about your business and it becomes mm. further and further in the background. Mm. And not one of us knows what a, what the next minute is going to bring in our life, whether there will be a more yeah. convenient time. Well, as Jeanette
2: says, there's really yes. no convenient time. No, now, absolutely now not. Is the now. now. now.
1: Mm.
4: Yeah, procrastination is a real problem.
1: They say yep. it's a thief of all time, don't
4: they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. All right, Jeanette. I know we've sort of covered this already but uh, Felix pronounced no verdict but kept Paul in prison for two more years and why was that?
3: It says um, when two years had passed Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus but because Felix wanted to grant a favour to the Jews he left Paul in prison. So he, th- he wanted to ride every horse and make everybody, make everybody <laughs> happy.
4: This was a political rather than yeah, a judicial absolutely. decision. Absolutely. And, uh, yes, well.
1: well. wasn't that what Pilate did with Jesus?
4: Yes, I mm. guess is that Yes, a thing? that is too. Mm.
1: Kept in favour with the people.
4: Yeah. All right, well, Andrew just said before that um, Felix was replaced by Porcius Festus, who was appointed governor uh, of that particular region. Three days after his arrival He visited Jerusalem Who came to him And what was their request Um, Helen Acts 25 verses 1 to 4
1: Okay, and it reads, Now when Festus was come into the province after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. I found that very interesting that it was three days after I was reading in a commentary the other day and it said that Festif allowed three days to pass before he set out on his tour, spoke well of him as an administrator in ability and integrity. He seems to have greatly excelled Felix. Mm. And I thought, well, that was an interesting little bit of a turn there. Mm. Um, it's really sad, isn't it? The Sadducees who, because they denied the resurrection, were chiefly responsible for pressing the charges against Paul. And it's almost like that. I couldn't wait to bring it up again. But of course, as we... To the re- new bloke. Yeah. yeah, to the new bloke. Yeah. But as we we realise... Um, that in the situation their motive of course was the same as what it was before Mm. they wanted to kill him well
4: there were some very hungry there were 40 very hungry people from two (laughs) years ago I wondered
1: about that (laughs) did they actually die of starvation yeah we (laughs) talked about that last week I didn't hear it I'm sorry yeah yeah (laughs)
4: right. it's interesting it shows that
2: Felix here was actually he was a Festus sorry Festus was a good man yes and he was a far more able ruler than Felix was absolutely and he wouldn't let them at this stage he wouldn't let them sway him He says, no, we're not going to have the trial in Jerusalem. We're going to have it in Caesarea. I've made up my mind. Yeah.
4: So they asked him to um, transport Paul Mm. down to Jerusalem with the ulterior motive of ambushing the party to kill Paul. And uh, Festus did not agree with that. Mm -hmm. What does it say in Acts 24 verse 5, Helen? No, it's 25.5. Ah, okay.
1: All right, that's what I originally looked at. Okay, 25.5. Is that what you want? Yeah. Okay, let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. Well, that's really interesting. That was a good answer, wasn't it?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now do your 96
4: k's
1: and come and visit me and get it sorted out again. Yeah, yeah I, I think that was an excellent answer, actually. So
4: again, the Jews' plans were thwarted. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think God was acting through this uh, Roman governor too. Well, anyhow, upon his return to Caesarea, Festus convened the court, and this is found in Acts twenty five seven. The Jews' charges against Paul were outlined. How were the charges described? Andrew?
2: Yeah, let me read it from Scripture. This is Acts 25, verse 7. When Paul appeared, um, I'll back up a bit. He went down to Caesarea, and the next day he convened the court and ordered that Paul be brought before him. So here it's all happening again. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove so here we go again Mm. the same charges which were obviously very unprovable nothing's gonna
1: stick
3: Mm.
4: in reality they had nothing to do with the Roman court of law yeah that was they were just (coughs) Jewish things anyhow Jeanette in answer to the suggestion that the trial be held in Jerusalem what reply did Paul make
3: he just said I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I haven't done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If however I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die, but if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar.
4: So panel, what did that little statement imply?
2: Well, he was appealing to the highest, the highest court in the country. Yeah. Um, which in our parlance, I guess, would be the Supreme Court or the High Court. Yes. He was going as far as you could go.
3: And yep. I, I think that he wanted to get the whole case right out of the Jewish arena. He'd had enough of the backwards and forwards and all the nonsense. And he just said, look, let's just get this over and done with and go to, you know, someone who isn't so emotionally involved in it all. But, but he had a right. He had a right, didn't he? As a Roman citizen. Yes, he yeah. was a Roman citizen, so he had that right. He
1: also had the um, admonition from the Lord, didn't he, that he would go yeah. there as well. Yes. I, I think that's interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, but from a human point of view, it's a pretty risky thing to do. I mean, Caesar, Caesar was about as pagan as they could get, and mm-hmm. how would he really understand the... the the faith of of what it meant to be a Christian. Um, So, as I said, from a human point of view, well, you know, would you go that way? Well,
3: Paul Paul did tend to be a little bit sort of out there, didn't he? Sometimes he sort of of let his tongue run away with him a bit. He'd get a bit overboard. There's a few different instances where he he did the same thing. Mm. Like talking about circumcision, I'd wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You know, he... Um, So... He was forthright. Yes, maybe he was, you know, carried away by the moment.
2: Because I often wonder what would have happened had he not appealed to Caesar and had he been freed. Because we'll see a little bit later that he could have been freed. Yes. Who knows where that could have gone. Well,
4: that's only conjecture, isn't it? Yeah.
1: I just wonder how we we would feel if we were in a court and then suddenly said, I appeal to the... High Court, the Supreme Court. You know, in our minds, that's the echelon up there, isn't it? Mm. I remember just recently I had to go through some dealings with probate and um, I thought, oh, yes, well, this is all going fine. And then I went into the lawyer's office to sign some forms and he brought the Bible in and he said, are you prepared to swear on the Bible? And I said, I don't swear at all. Why am I swearing on the Bible? And he informed me that it had to go before the Supreme High Court. And for that just split second i was actually quite nonplussed, you know i felt really intimidated hmm. you yeah, know supreme high court um yeah and it had to be presented there and i, I don't know why it's just that idea isn't it yeah. and there were here was paul you know with all these enemies around and he said i appeal to caesar
0: yeah.
1: he was bold he was he was really oh, bold
0: okay. yeah i just uh want to um, to say here that um Paul was a very intelligent man also, and he kind of knew the mind of the Jewish people, how they will, uh, how they will judge him, hypocritically. Is that correct to say? <laughs> you know, like uh, yes, not not in the right way. Um, but you see, today I just witnessed something last week. Um, a lady who uh, was advised to keep her mouth. Shot because if she will expose the things which were done against her, she will be totally destroyed. Because we live in a, in a society where when you, if you expose yourself, in Paul's case also, he will say, okay, I'm going before the Caesar. Then his case is known worldwide, you know, and he, he can defend it in many aspects. But if, you, if he will be handed back to the Jewish people as they ask, to be handed to them, they could just uh, abuse their uh, power and put him to death or whatever, you know, for, uh, before even people think of. But human rights, even though back in those days maybe were not as strong as today, but even today, you know, the advice, I was shocked to hear the testimony of that lady who said that she was advised for a few years not to say anything because she will be totally destroyed if she will come uh, uh, public mm-hmm. with her case. But Paul is doing that. Paul Mm. is uh, asking to be public Mm. and to defend himself even in front of the Caesar.
4: Now in the Roman hierarchy of power and authority, first was the emperor, that was Caesar. Then there were some regional kings and then below them were regional governors and the army or the soldiers who were the peacekeepers in that particular area would be under the governor. Now we come across one of the regional kings, King Agrippa, and uh, he came with his sister <laughs> Erenice to Syria to visit Festus because he's just newly placed in office. Mm-hmm and uh, of course Festus and King Agrippa were talking what were they talking about Helen?
1: Well the the Bible brings it out in chapter 25 verse 13 and 14 says and after certain days King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus and when they had been there many days Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king saying there is a certain man left in bonds by Felix so he was explaining to him that Paul he was still in you know, medical, um, he stood before the the company, and there is a real, real contrast when you think about it, because you've got, Agrippa and Bernice possessed power and position, and they were favoured by the world, at that time. You know, it was a high position, but they were destitute of the traits that. Of character that God esteems Mm. there was a big big difference here so here was Festus in front of the king telling him all about Paul and also that Paul had appealed to Caesar
4: after listening to this from Festus what comment did Agrippa make Jeanette
3: Uh, he said I'd like to hear him myself (laughs) I can just see these two men chatting away you know they're both high authorities and they're Mm. just probably sitting down with a drink having a chat about it all Festus's interest is piqued and he's going, this is a bit different. I'd, I'd like to hear this, man.
2: Yeah. Which is very interesting because this guy's Herod Agrippa II. It was his father, Herod Agrippa I, who killed James and put Peter into prison, as recorded earlier in the Book of Acts. It was his great uncle that actually had John the Baptist killed. And it was his, got to get this right, it was his great grandfather, Herod the Great, who actually um, commanded all the little babies to be killed in, in Bethlehem mm-hmm. uh, when Jesus was, uh, was a toddler. So these Herods don't have a very good track record um, with the things of God. And maybe Paul, being a smart man that he was, figured this out and said, whoa, this is going to be interesting. And when we get to it, you'll see the way that he addressed Herod in trying to sort of be very respectful to him. But again, it... it This could have gone either way, but I I actually see the hand of God here in in just looking after the whole situation.
4: So Agrippa said, I would like to hear for myself what this man has to say. And Festus welcomed that. Andrew, what did Festus make clear to Agrippa that he would appreciate if Agrippa heard Paul as well?
2: Uh, let me let me read this uh, from Scripture so we can hear what it says. This is Acts 25, 25 to 27. And uh, this is uh, Festus talking, and he says, Look, I found he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore... I have brought him before all of you and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. So he was struggling to get some official charge against uh, Paul. So he wants to see if he can get something to send to Caesar.
1: Well, he was in an interesting situation, yeah. wasn't he? Because he didn't believe the charges were right. That's right. And here he's going to have to try and convince someone else to try Paul with those fa- charges, which he yeah. believes yeah. were. Dear
2: Caesar, probably. I'm sending you an innocent man. Yeah. you know, <laughs>
1: That's virtually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I find no fault in him.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well, the time came for Agrippa, who wanted to hear what Paul had to say. Can you picture the scene there, Helen? How how would the court scene have looked? And how were they dressed? And that's
1: well. As I mentioned just before, there was Paul a prisoner. Now his garb wouldn't have been very exotic, would it? I, I kind of, in my mind's eye, figure that he kind of had even a hessian, you know, robe or something. He and of course he was handcuffed. And he walks in, and there's all the pomp and ceremony that you can imagine. I mean, you, you've got Agrippa there, the king. Can you just imagine that? I. I I stopped and I thought, I wonder how Paul would have felt walking into this awesome display, all the pomp and all the ceremony that went with it. You know, um, you think of even the city leaders would have been there, would they not? Possibly. The military, so. yeah, it the says city so. leaders. It says the yeah. of
2: the city. Yeah. Yes.
1: And it was a palace room. Paul had just come from the, the cell. Mm-hmm. You know, so the contrast must have been very, very stark. And what comes to my mind is what happened with Martin Luther, you might recollect that when Martin Luther was brought before the council to explain um, his, his point of view, how would Martin Luther have felt? What was he attired? What did he look like? What did he walk into?
0: Helen, just on that one, um, I'm just thinking Paul is coming before the people who represented the Caesar, you know, the highest authority on earth. But Paul is coming here, representing the King of Kings.
1: Amen. amen you know, amen.
0: and I believe Paul was very bold, and Paul was very strong in his appearance because I got that from other passages in the Bible. When uh, even like King Agrippa said, you know, he recognized Paul's uh, how to say um, not authority, but his. Attitude. Yeah, yes. I, th- I think He's I think Nick character.
2: that he welcomed this meeting, oh, yeah. and Absolutely. Paul would have been anything to witness about his God to all yeah. these people. This was a huge opportunity, Absolutely. and the way he went. Yeah. And do you
1: think Martin Luther felt the same when he went?
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. They were
1: bold for their faith. Well, weren't they, they, they
4: had a clear conscience. They had mm. done nothing wrong. Mm. And so, although the stage set would uh, tend to make them feel rather inferior but they didn't feel inferior because they were backed up by the king of heaven yeah i
1: I just think that's a terribly good lesson for us you know if you if you are in the same state that paul was as nick brought out the character of paul was such that he was in tune with the king of heaven Mm. um should we be scared should we be frightened humanly speaking yes we are but you know we can trust god can't we of course and paul Completely. Martin Luther completely. Died daily. They mm. trusted God. Mm. And so they weren't intimidated when when they went in. Mm. I just think that was beautiful. In fact I I believe that Paul wasn't awed at all. I actually believe that he probably thought, Oh, here's a new audience I've got a new audience and, and I can preach the gospel. Yeah, And he
2: was representing the king yes. of the universe. What, yes. a, what a huge opportunity. Yes,
1: absolutely. Mm. So really, from our point of view, rather than complaining about our present situation that we find ourselves in, we need to look at opportunities in our situations to serve God and to share him with others. Mm. You know, our problems could be opportunities in disguise, mm. like yeah. it was with Paul.
4: Okay, so here was this stage set or the court or the room, whatever it was, here are all these dignitaries sitting around dressed in their finery and paul comes in jeanette what did paul talk about <laughs> what did he say
3: well once again paul told his story but this time he was very cognizant of his audience and he realized i'm talking to king agrippa and as it says in chapter 26 verse 2 He said, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you. And in in verse three, he says, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. And therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So this time when he told his story and gave his testimony, he gave it more detailed than he'd ever given it before. And he went back further in his story because that was relevant at this moment to Agrippa. And he actually said, the Jews all know the way I've lived ever since I was a child. So he started right back in his childhood, from the beginning of my life in my own country, where he's establishing, yes, I'm a Roman citizen, and then also in Jerusalem. And then he says, they all know that I lived here. I was a a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of of the Jewish religion. And then he said, it's because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I'm on trial. And then he went on to talk about the 12 tribes of Israel and how they'd always been hoping for a Messiah. And then he, he manages to put in raising from the dead because that's a contentious issue for the Jews and tends to divide them as we saw last week. Verse 9, he said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus. So I didn't even believe in Jesus to start with. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. I went around and I persecuted the saints. I put them in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them so he said in my obsession I even went to foreign cities and then he tells his story again about how he was on the road to Damascus and going to persecute people and about at noon he says oh king I saw a light from heaven and then he heard that tells the story again of his um, um, conversion so then in verse 19 he says King Agrippa I wasn't disobedient to that vision from heaven and I preached to the Jews and then to the Gentiles and I love this because it's a real summary of Paul's preaching I preached that they should repent turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds and that's why these Jews have seized me in the temple courts I'm not saying anything beyond what the prophets and Moses said were going to happen, that Jesus would suffer. And as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Um, So he was taking this opportunity, he had every chance he got, to once again tell the story of Jesus, to once again appeal to people through his stories to repent. To, to turn to Jesus and once again talk about the resurrection and the wonderful hope that everybody has the Jews and the Gentiles
4: Yeah, Thanks Jeanette, that was good Helen?
3: I, I think Paul gave us a fantastic example
1: on how to give our testimonies if we're, whatever situation we're in mm. if, if just in summarizing what Jeanette said he gave an example he told them what his life was like before he met Christ, then he told them how he met Christ, encountered Christ and then he told them the change it made in his life mm. and that was, you know, his speech was in three parts you know, yeah. how he was a Pharisee and then how he, he had the encounter with Jesus and then the impact that it had on him, he had no choice but to speak. I thought that was a great mm. example for mm. us.
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, having done this and knowing a little bit about King Agrippa, Paul challenged the king. Andrew, what did he say to the king?
2: Can I just say before we get there, it was such a powerful, it was such a powerful presentation that both of the leaders, he could see, were under conviction. Um, Festus actually interrupted and yelled out, "He says, you know, you're mad, Paul. This is this is this is just too much for me." Which shows that Festus was really struggling with what Paul had said because he knew it was true. And then Paul turns to Agrippa, and I think he could see that Agrippa was very convicted. And it says in the Bible here in in verse twenty-eight of chapter 28 six of act he says um, sorry verse 27. 27 he says king agrippa do you believe the prophets and then he looks at agrippa and he says i know you do and it's interesting why he would have said that because the prophets had many prophecies about the coming of the messiah the coming of jesus how he was to live what he was to say and what he was to do so paul knew that agrippa knew all this stuff and so he he's asking agrippa to do something with the conviction that he has
4: Mm. Uh, now when we interact with other people and they are convicted of truth and we ask the question what's what's the benefit of asking
3: a question that just requires someone to give some sort of an answer and if, if you if can ask an open question rather than a closed one, just a yes, no answer, um, you, you've got even more hope of making them talk.
4: <laughs> yes, I recall uh, an instance where a preacher from interstate came over here to South Australia and, and ran some meetings and they were very interesting. These religious meetings... But he never, ever asked the audience a question, in the sense, okay, you've got all this information, what are you going to do with it? And I was surprised at the lack of um, commitment made by
0: the people of the audience. I was going to ask uh, a bit of a tricky question. What do you think, I mean, what was the background of Agrippa? Was he a Roman background or was was he a Jewish background? Jewish, Jewish
2: Jewish background. You
0: see, because it's clear here when Paul asked that question, do you believe in the prophets? As a Jewish person, Mm -hmm. if you will say no, he will be in trouble straight away. How can you be a Jew and not believing in the prophets and all the scriptures? But if you will say yes, then the question is, why you don't believe then in Jesus, who you know, as a mm. Messiah, mm. because okay. it was prophesied. And here's the trick, because many people will think, even today, we're asking Christians, you know, and they will say, I'm a Christian, you know. Okay, if you are a Christian, then why are you behaving the way you behave? Like n- mm. a non-believer mm. or a non-Christian, you know, mm. sometimes you can be just under the name of uh, even the Jewish people who accused Paul. They didn't know anything. I mean, didn't want to know anything about Jesus. They were just Jews, but not followers of God
4: I know some folk they claim to be Catholics, they never go to church ever but they, they are Catholics. Christians <laughs> they call themselves Catholics no, that's alright, there's probably a lot of other people who call themselves something
3: it's interesting to me in this case Paul asked the question but he never gave Agrippa a chance to answer it, he answered it for him himself, yeah. he said I know you do yes,
4: yeah. so. <laughs> Helen you had something to say here
3: Ah Yes, somebody shared this with me
1: just recently and and I I think it comes in at this point. As a Pharisee, Paul believed in the resurrection of the dead which was essential to the fulfilment of Israel's ancestral hope. The Jews therefore were being inconsistent in opposing his teaching for there was nothing in it that was not fundamentally Jewish. Agrippa understood this too, yet he was not prepared to commit himself as had Paul.
4: Yes. Now, Jeanette, the Apostle Peter has given some admonition to Christians or people who are considering being Christians. What did Peter say in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and
3: 11? I'll just read it. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ.
4: Yes, we are to make our calling and election sure, not to leave it hanging up in the air. Now, listeners, you've heard this, you've heard about uh, Agrippa, you've heard about Festus and Felix and Paul and the Jews. If you are convicted about something that's right, I want to put the question to you. Are you afraid to commit yourself or are you prepared to commit yourself? Helen, there's something else that I think you might like to share with the listeners today.
1: Yes, I was thinking about what Nick was saying before and I was agreeing with her because I just uh, have noted here in in my notes from the study that Paul's question put Agrippa in a difficult position. As a Jew, he would never deny his belief in the scriptures. On the other hand, if he gave an affirmative answer, There would be no option but for him to accept Jesus as the Messiah. His reply was a clever escape from the logical trap that he was in. Are you so quickly persuading me to become a Christian? The English Standard Version puts it. Yeah. Or, you know, perhaps a better translation would be the New King James, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. But Paul's rejoinder reveals an impressive level of commitment to the gospel. He said, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that not only you, but also all who are listening to me today might become such as I am, except for these chains. In his last words in the hearing, the apostle did not plead to be free, as were those listening to him. Instead, he wished they could be like him, except for the chains that bound him. Paul's missionary zeal greatly surpassed his care for even his own safety.
4: Yeah. Agrippa, having heard what Paul had to say, what does it say about how Agrippa regarded Paul if he was guilty or not guilty, Andrew?
2: Hmm. It is interesting, isn't it, Len, that each of these three leaders were under conviction by what Paul had shared. Um, Felix said, "Ah, oh, at a more convenient time, I might do something about it. Festus yells at him because he's so convicted. And Agrippa says, as you said uh, just before, Helen, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian? Uh-huh. So he gave a very powerful testimony. But the, my Bible says that after Paul's presentation, the king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice, and those sitting with them, they left the room, and while talking with one another, they said, This man is not doing anything that deserves death and imprisonment. So they, they could see that he was completely innocent, that yeah. the Jews had fabricated all these charges against him. And then Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he yeah. had not appealed to Caesar. So they declared his innocence.
4: Yes. Well, Jeanette, sometimes we might be accused of certain things, and whether we're guilty or not guilty, who is the final, ultimate authority will judge us, deciding whether we will inherit eternal life or not?
3: Mm. Well, we can have human courts, and um, decisions can be made here, but it's really only God that that knows our hearts and as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23 not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven because many will say to me on that day meaning when he comes back again Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles and he'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Yeah, so right. I think Jesus is saying talk is cheap, but action is what walk, you know, proves, mm. proves your repentance, as Paul has said. Prove your repentance by your deeds.
4: So really there's a lesson here for us. If we've got a clear conscience, we don't have to worry about what others might say. The one we have to be concerned about is our Father in heaven because he is the ultimate judge. Now, in First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, there's another admonition for us as believers. Andrew, would you like to share that with us?
2: Sure, and it certainly links with what Paul did. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Mm. But he says, do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So that's very timely advice, I think.
4: Yes. If we ask, well, why are you who you are? And we fumble for words and we can't find answers. Mm. Well, that's not a very convincing uh, argument, is it? No. But if we have an, if we have a statement, an argument, if you like, and we put it simply and plainly, That's all we're required to do And that's what the Apostle Paul Mm -hmm. did Well we've come Almost to the end of this study Today and As usual I would Ask the members of the panel If you have a take home Message for the listeners Today has somebody got Something
3: yes I have Actually I've been thinking about this There are, are four main Characters in today's lesson There's Felix who was a, a Roman and, a, and a, not a very good Roman. He was, a, you know, just a, a, a bad pagan, basically. Then you have Festus, who was what you might call a good pagan. He um, had had a good heart. And then you have Agrippa, who was a, probably a bad Jew. Um, and then you have Paul, who at one time had been a very good Jew, but still hadn't believed in Jesus. And the whole four of them when confronted with jesus um well the first three except for paul were all a bit ambivalent they couldn't make up their mind they were unwilling to commit but paul committed a hundred percent when he was confronted with jesus and and the the difference was that he actually saw jesus he knew him he talked to him and that just completely turned his life around so it's that personal connection with jesus which is going to make us to have the
4: story to tell
2: yeah i think my take-home message then would be that wherever you are regardless of the circumstances god will be with you Mm. and god will will empower you and and give you peace and give you what you need always remember that god is with
4: us okay Helen, did
1: you have something? Yeah, um, I was thinking through the whole lesson, and I guess Paul shows us how we can overcome uh, in times of spiritual or literal confinement, because he was confined. And I thought, well, number one, we need to remember that God has a purpose for each of our lives. And a confinement is not necessarily a punishment. It could be an opportunity, as Paul did, to witness and share the gospel. And we must be resolute in our belief in the supreme will of God. The lesson this week helps us to draw back to what it really means to defend the faith. And Paul gave us that example. Um, He was held in captivity. His goal was to present Jesus in such a way that those listening might become Christian, just as he was, minus the chains. He didn't let his confinement or his situation stop him from writing letters, from preaching to his captors. And likewise, we should not let any of our setbacks in life stop us from sharing the love of the Lord.
4: Well, I have one too. And that's about sitting on the fence. And in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15, Jesus is talking to the people. And he says, I would that you were hot or cold. Mm. In other words, don't sit on the fence. Mm. And then he goes on to say, Because you are neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. So if there's any of you listeners who are considering becoming a faithful Christian, do it. Don't just leave it hanging in the air. You need to make a decision whether you think it's convenient or not. Well, before we close today, or if you've got a take-home message
0: too, Nick? I may just have a short one. I mean, just in regard to what you said, uh, uh, Len quoting from Revelation, but also what uh, Andrew um, just um, read earlier from um, First Peter. It's interesting that it was that requirement of standing for your belief and give a, a testimony about the good hope mm. you have in God, in Jesus. Because there are too many preachers today who will preach the word of God not believing it. And it's not good enough just to preach the word of God is not good enough just to share with people what's in the Bible. We need to give a testimony of our relationship with God in conjunction with that good news which we are going to present. And that's what we are doing uh, through these programs. We are looking into the Bible, and we encourage our listeners to search the Bible for themselves, to see if what we have said here today and many other times, it's in accordance with the Bible. That's why we are here, Len, to uplift the Word of God, also in uh, conjunction with our own personal walk with God. And may each one of our listeners have that experience, as you just said, Len, um, to give their heart to God and start to walk with God Mm -hmm. and experience the wonderful uh, yes. things.
4: It can't be just a head experience. It has to be a heart experience. Well, before we close today...
1: Can I jump that? I'm s- between the head and the heart. I heard somewhere that there is only 12 inches between us being with the Lord in heaven and not, and that's the, the amount from the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought that was an interesting comment. Right. Sorry, thanks, then. Well,
4: thank you for listening today, listeners, and I trust that the Lord will bless you as you give consideration to the things that we read from history and the things that we discussed that might apply to your life before we close i just invite you to bow your heads in prayer father in heaven we thank you for the example from the past which teaches us how we need to act we thank you for the example of your faithful apostle paul might we be faithful to you so i pray that you'll bless each person who's listening to this program today And I ask in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.